1: We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You heard her. Go subscribe. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Robbie Samuels hosts the On the Schmooze podcast. Robbie, tell listeners what to expect from the show. Since 2015, I've interviewed entrepreneurs who overcame challenges to achieve success in their field or industry. Tune in to On The Schmooze to listen as I ask deep questions to elicit untold stories about leadership and networking. And where can people subscribe? Find the show at ontheschmooze.com or on marketingpodcast.net or just search for it wherever you get your podcasts. You heard them. Go subscribe. Welcome to the making of a marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing, one topic at a time, hosted by digital marketing consultants, Jess Nickerson, and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now, here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. We are back once again on the making of a marketer, Andy and Jess here with you today, a little bit earlier. So as you know, Jess, when we do early, it means it's coffee time and it's really early for you. So um, I hope you're, you're energetic, ready to go. Dunkin' Donuts, hot coffee, basics today, um, right before vacation for I me. <laughs> oh, even better. That's, that's my, that's my second energy burst, bro, is uh, uh, once we get to lunch time. But uh, just happy to have another great episode today and talking some more employment branding.
2: Yes. Yeah. So today I am drinking green tea, because as we know, I do not drink coffee, but green tea with a little vanilla in it. So just to
0: Spruce just to it give up a me a little, little bit.
2: Yeah. Just to give me a little more energy.
0: I love it. And we are energized today for Brooke Tishner uh, to continue our series we've been doing on employment marketing. So, Brooke is a founder of Interview Ally and is someone that has really excelled in the position where she is coaching potential candidates um, to find new jobs. But what we're really having her, her here today to talk about is how can these employers really market to candidates and what are the candidates looking for? Somebody that really knows what the candidates will be looking for. So, Brooke, we're excited to have you today and uh, thank you so much. We're looking forward to a great conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me both, Andy and Jess. I'm so happy to be here today.
0: So, first off, we ask a question to all of our guests and it's consistent in that Creatively, 2022, 2023, it's been a lot of changes in the industry, whether it be new technologies, layoffs, transitions, reorgs, It's just you hear it all over the place right now. So for us working, we have to try to stay creative in our approach. So a lot of us can get stuck at different times. So when you get stuck creatively, what is your go-to to make sure you're staying creative and doing the best you can at Interview Ally?
1: So I really love that question um, because it, it happens often. Um, so the first thing I do when I've hit a creative rut, whether that be creating content for post on LinkedIn, because I po- uh, post a lot of content for my business interview alley and on my, my professional page as well, or I'm working on a client's resume, for instance, and I come across like I'm having major writer's block and I'm feeling the tension. Like I know it's time to step away and take a break. So then what I'll do is I will engage in several activities that can clear my mind and allow me to reset. And what that could look like for me is getting out in the fresh air, either sitting on my back deck and just enjoying nature, Um, moving my body, whether that be walking, running, um, you know, and also meditating. I've been engaging a lot of meditation lately, and let me tell you, like, It can be a difficult practice, especially for someone like me, whose thoughts are always kind of on the whirlwind, but that is a great activity to really recenter myself. And so when I engage in these activities, it really helps to release the tension that I'm feeling, the mental block that I have, and it allows me to go back and recenter. And then it offers space for that creative spark to come back to me again. Um, I try to take advantage. I think it's important to point out that I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way, but there are times where I'm like, holy cow, I'm in a creative flow. So I'm going to take advantage of this creative flow as much as possible. And what that creative flow looks like for me is ideas are just coming easily to me. I don't feel stressed. I don't feel tense. Things just feel really natural. And I have to say the thoughtful questions that you guys sent to me for this podcast the responses came really naturally to me. It felt like it wasn't all at work. So that like, I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I was in a creative flow preparing the answers to these questions. And I also want to say on the flip side, um, for me, it's best not to push through when I'm in a creative rut. Because if I do that, I become, it becomes even worse. I become more irritable and frustrated and just kind of digging myself into a deeper hole. So when I'm noticing those physical, mental and emotional cues, I know that I need to step away and engage in one of those one of those activities that I just spoke about.
0: I love it. That's a, a great, just different, you know, way of going about it for answers. That's just, you know, I was talking about going for walks. That used to be my thing until I moved off like the side of a cliff and it's harder to walk around our neighborhood. So I have to drive to the park now. Uh, but You know, creative flow, I think that's something important for us to focus on because creative flow can mean a lot of different things and it comes to different people at different times in different ways, I think finding it is really important. Um, I know for me, when I was doing social media management and strategy, a lot of my best ideas would come to me at like 1 a.m. in the morning, which I don't advise. Get your sleep. Eight hours is important. But the some of my greatest campaigns were some weird idea I had right before sleep while watching reality TV. So don't recommend that. But <laughs> when you do have them, write them down, let them come to you. And sometimes the full idea may not fully be fleshed out, but write down what you're thinking so you can remember to come back to that later.
1: Andy, that is so true because I will say that if I am stepping away from my desk, I'm in a rut, like the most creative ideas I usually have or are not kidding, is like when I'm on the treadmill and I'm just walking or running and I'm like, darn it, I need an notepad in front of me because I don't want to forget this gem. So it's so true.
0: Most definitely. Well, Let's get to the, the meat and potatoes now. So interview Allie, tell us how it started, what you're doing over there, and kind of, you know, just the, the full run through of, you know, what your company has been excelling in these last several years.
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, I would like to say that the inspiration behind starting my business is really twofold. And I, I, I bring this up because layoffs are very prevalent these days, Right. So the personal side of the inspiration that led to me opening up my business interview ally was because I was laid off. This was over 13 years ago during the the, uh, 08, 09 recession. And it was a very lonely and isolating time. It completely upended my life. I put everything into that job only to be given a pink slip. And I thought, where do I start? So I really could have used someone to help me get back on my feet to re-instill that confidence that I had so swiftly lost when I was laid off that day. But I didn't have that. I had friends and I had family to support me, but I really needed someone to sit alongside me to help me get back on my feet, but to also help me to really thoughtfully and strategically get back out there as far as the job search, understand what I wanted to do with the rest of my life and what I want my career path to look like. So um, that's the personal side of things, right? I went through a very daunting process of over eight months trying to look for jobs after being laid off. And it, quite frankly, sucked, right? It was just awful. So I empathize with the people who are in that right now because I've been there and I know what it looks like to look for jobs and to be scared and frightened. Um, So the personal side is I've, um, ever since I was laid off, my career path has been anything but linear. Um, And I think it's important to point this out too because there's a lot of people out there who are um, facing job transitions or wanting to make a career transition. Um, So I've been in a multitude of jobs. I was in project management. I was in executive leadership. Um, staff management, marketing, communications, which really plays a part into what I'm doing now, and then also executive recruiting, which I do consulting work as a recruiter um, alongside my business. So I'd say because I because of my personal experience and all the skills that I gained through my professional journey, those were both the leveraging factors that I used to like. Yes, I need to I need to start this business, and with Interview Ally. I support job seekers and candidates in their journeys so that they show up, um, whether uh, on their resume or in interviews or networking, with confidence and clarity in who they are and the impact and value that they bring to the table and, and notice and knowing that that's really important, right? So, I, my areas of focus are resume writing, networking services, uh, strategic job searching, and interview coaching and i also outside of this on linkedin a lot i post a lot of tips and, and tricks to help people navigate the job the job search process but i also think it's important to to be someone's cheerleader and advocate and so i like to put a lot of good out in the world like you know you got this like a lot of a lot of things around mindset too because mindset is everything in life but also really important as you're navigating the ups and downs of um, a job search
0: no, I love it. You know, I was someone. You talk about the the recession time of the two thousand eight two thousand nine era. I was a college graduate of two thousand eleven, so I hit the job market as we still felt the impacts of that. Uh, but it was real hard just to get in. You know, when I it probably didn't help that my broadcast journalism degree and going into radio and radio was kind of like fizzling a little bit at that time. That that didn't help, but. It definitely was tricky just getting in the market. And if I had my hot tub time machine, I wouldn't go change any things <laughs> because I saw um, what, what was the film called, uh, The Butterfly Effect. I know things don't work out when you change things in the past, but if they theoretically did work out, I think something I would have done differently is talk to someone like you, Brooke, because... I hit the market, and I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't sure what I wanted, and actually, over the course of time, um, I have struggled mightily coming out of college. I lost my job in 2017, so between those two times, there's a lot of job interviews happening. And I think I actually learned what I wanted, what my you know true values were as a candidate through doing job interviews, but it took a lot of no's for me just to learn that. So, you know, what you're doing, I think really can expedite that process and help someone figure out these questions as they go along through this journey.
1: For sure, yeah. I think that's really critical to hone in on what is it that you want your career to look like? What is it that you want in your next job and company? What are your values? And company culture is really big these days. So trying to come up with like, interview questions um, to ask a potential employer about, hey, what does that look like here? Because that's important to me. So uh, getting clarity around that is just is really the first and most important step or foundational step with your job search. And once you have that defined, then the rest is very strategic in nature, and it can lead you to getting a job faster if you take the time to do it.
0: So tell us about that, the candidate journey. Uh, what are the complexities you're seeing in that maybe past, present, future? And how have you been advising a, a candidate to go through that journey?
1: So how I phrase my answer and believe, feel free, guys, to stop me at any time, because this is a long answer. So if I'm like going along and along and along and you're like, OK, she's talking a lot, feel free to interrupt me. But I think this is this is a really important question, right? The, the candidate journey, your question is why is it's so complex. Is that right?
0: Yes, that's correct. Yes. Just what are the okay. complexities a candidate is dealing with?
1: So there are so many complexities, and this is why this is why I spent the most time with this question because there are so many um, because there are so many steps involved in the candidate journey. If you think about it, um, and each step includes its own set of to dos and priorities, areas of focus, and energy. Right. So the different steps of the job search journey are one, what we just talked about, determining what you want to do and to, um, target the jobs that you want to go after, what's important to you. Then there's the searching for jobs component. Then there's the applying for jobs, interviewing, networking, and doing all of those steps over and over again until you land your next position. That takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of energy. So if it's okay with you guys, I'll just take a few minutes just to delve a little bit deeper into each of those steps and paint a little bit of a picture for that if that's okay. Definitely. because I think I think it's helpful for people who aren't currently in the job searching process themselves. And maybe someone who's a recruiter who's, who's, who's watching or listening in right now. I think it's important to really paint what that looks like. So again, feel free to stop me at any point, but it first starts with determining what they want to do, which Andy and I just, we just talked about that. So kind of getting clarity around those things. Um, so you want to take time to evaluate your skills and qualifications, your values and your goals, and you want to really nail down on your overall criteria. And by criteria, I mean, what are your must-haves or your non-negotiables? So let's say you're really, um, it's really important to you to have a flexible position or one that offers a hybrid or remote working option, or perhaps you really want a place where it offers professional development and upward mobility, or the salary and benefits have to be just right, right? So that's an important part of the journey, that's step one to so gain clarity and you start your your job search off right? Because once you do, it'll lead to a more successful job search if that makes sense. Um, the next piece is the job searching process, which takes a lot of time and thoughtfulness, right? and some strategy. And so you want to make sure you're going after the jobs that fit the criteria that you've defined, like as I alluded to in step one, right? Um, and you also want to make sure outside of that that you're looking at jobs and when you're looking at the job description, that you meet the minimum um, requirements for experience and education. Um, And so when you find that right job and you're coming to the application process, this can take some time because you're not only having to update and target your resume to the specific job, but then you're moving on to um, actually submitting your application, which I I pay attention to what job seekers are saying on LinkedIn. And so far, for the most part, I feel like it's sometimes a negative uh, process. So you're taking time to customize your resume, you know, that can be kind of daunting for some people, especially because when you're dealing with yourself, it's kind of hard to kind of get in the details of how your skills apply to the certain jobs that you're applying for. But it's important because you want to connect the dots between your experience and the job. So you connect the dots for the employer, right? That, hey, okay, this person is qualified for the job. So you want to tailor your resume accordingly. And then there's the application process. And so you're submitting your your resume and probably likely dealing with an applicant tracking system, which means that you are um, not only, you're filling out an application form, which can be really frustrating from what I've seen, and also submitting your resume. And that in itself can be a very um, time consuming and frustrating process. Um, Then I'm moving on to the interview process, which can include rounds of interviews. It could start with the initial phone screen and then several rounds of either in-person and or virtual uh, interviews. That alone, that piece alone is very important because you want to prepare accordingly for the interview. And that takes time. And you want to connect the dots again and, and prepare thoughtful answers to behavioral-based um, questions. You want to show your relevant value and impact as much as possible by showcasing your achievement stories, if that makes sense. So it's really important to align your experience to the job as much as possible and then prepare your prepare accordingly for it. Um, and I'd like to quickly take a moment to say, interviewing is not easy, right? Like I'm I'm an introvert. I would call myself an introvert. And by uh, being an introvert, I have to prepare ahead of time. Like I did for this podcast, right? And there's no shame in that. But there are people, maybe some are neurodivergent folks, people who deal with social anxiety, people who have a hard time talking in front of people or people who just have challenges in interview settings you know, they, they maybe need to take a little more time than others to prepare for interviews. So that can be a, a daunting part of the process for many, including networking. Um, and so I've, as I've outlined, each of these um, steps of the candidate journey is time-consuming, time consuming, but then you're also dealing with the emotional side of things. You're, it just, it takes a lot of emotion and time, and, and sometimes it can be really stressful, especially if you're not getting traction on your resume, or you're getting ghosted, or you're making along to the interview process, but you hear nothing back, right? So I think it's important to also, I want to place, I want to honor the fact that the job search process is hard because of all the steps that I just outlined, but it's also really, really emotional because once you hit that apply button, at least for me, after I was laid off and I was applying to jobs, when I hit that apply button, my hopes and dreams also went along with that application because I could see myself in that job. I'm like, yes, I can do this job. I'm going to rock at it. And then you, as it's just natural for human beings to propel to the future and like actually visualize themselves succeeding in the job. And when nothing comes of it, it's like your identity and confidence are chipped away at every single time. At
2: least that's what I experienced. Okay. I know
1: that was long drawn (laughs) out. Sorry, guys.
2: I I am so happy that you went into that detail. This is huge. And this really emphasizes the connection between... The, the personal branding that these candidates are building and what you're coaching on and advising on and the employer branding piece or the, the talent marketing piece. So like when, when I look at this from a marketing lens and a, a talent marketer lens, like this is one of the biggest activities that they, you could do to start building out your strategy because as you've highlighted, I love that you touched on the emotional piece of the candidate journey as well. It's so like mapping all of that out and just really putting the the strategy. We we Andy knows we talk about this every episode. Like being customer driven or candidate driven in this sense. Yes, and 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 think because there's a real opportunity here for these talent marketers to instill that confidence to 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 produce something or create something that is meaningful for the candidate, this, this overall experience. So Brooke, the fact that you like really went into detail here, like spot on, I absolutely love it. And it like, this is why it's so, it's it's so important. Like there's a major opportunity to, to lift up the candidate and then guide them through this experience. And 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 you know, instill that confidence and help them get through these emotions because there's a like you highlighted, there's a lot of emotions that go into this. And when you're doing that, you're gonna be creating a brand advocate as well. Cause maybe they won't get that specific opportunity, but they've loved the experience and they believe in the brand, and then they're gonna continue to apply and they're not exactly. gonna give up on the company. Exactly. Exactly, exactly.
0: Yep. and I'll I'll give you, Brooke, uh, one good example, one bad example from my uh, experiences of interviewing. so a good example is I've gone through full interview sessions, didn't get it, um, did the meet in person, everything just just made to the end. They pick one other person, you know, that's what happens. But there are colleagues from that interview process that I still am connected to on LinkedIn interact with. Um, even though I didn't get that role, we both ended up in places where I think we're, we're both perfect for us. So it, it felt good. And also the lessons I learned from the process helped me for interviews later on, because instead of not getting it, which stunk, of course, um, but I felt like it built my confidence just a little bit up and, and it showed me that this is a, a place that cares Vice versa, a bad experience is I went through the same process, went all the way to the end, made it to the final interview, thought an offer could be coming. And I had a call scheduled with the, the hiring manager um, that said it was going to be talking about whatever the next steps were. The call got canceled, and uh, I was told that she was unable to make it. And somebody else talked to me and said that, unfortunately, I didn't get the role after five interviews.
2: So oh my gosh. I, I think
0: these are two pivotal points right here of good and bad, but I think what, what you're speaking to is, you know, there could be 300 people applying for a role. Not everybody can get it, of course, but there's a way about going about things and the macro of how an employer can go about these things can really set them apart in terms of who they are and what their brand is. Totally.
1: Yeah. I think, I think Jess hit upon that too, is like, and that's going to be, uh, if we hit upon the next question coming up, I think I talk about a pr- like taking on a more human centric, holistic approach to attracting talent. And I think not only considering the skills and the qualifications that are needed, but who makes up, who makes up that person as a person, their personalities their values their career goals that all needs to be weighed in. I, I believe, you know, I'm not a, a recruiter or hiring, hiring manager for a company, but if I were going about it, I would definitely take the whole person because that whole person is who they are across the board, whether it's at work or in life, like me taking my soccer, my, my son to a soccer game or practice, that's the same person who is dealing with a client on a resume because I am I, who I am on my core, right? So that needs to be factored in.
0: So let's jump on that. What are some of the most important lessons we can learn from a candidate right now?
1: Well, I think kind of alluding to what I just said, one of the most important lessons learn is to recognize and honor that these candidates are human beings. Um, they have their own lives, they have their own responsibilities, they have their own ups and downs, some a lot more than others too, if you pay attention to, and I'm sure you guys do, to some of the posts that they share on LinkedIn. Um, And there are reasons for seeking employment. Some are in a really hard time right now who have been laid off and they've been laid off for months and haven't gotten anything yet. Or there's others who are switching careers because they want to take that leap, right? Or others who are unhappy in their current position for whatever reason and they're wanting wanting to, or maybe really needing to make that leap for their mental health, right? Um, So I think uh, lessons we can learn or lessons a marketer um, or employer can learn from candidates is by really tapping into LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn every day. And I know I'm touting LinkedIn and it's a good space to be in to tout LinkedIn, but I'm on it every day, every day for my business. And I connect with people, I converse with people. And I see a lot of job job hosts from job seekers uh, sharing their experience of their journey. And while they do share their celebrations, and it makes my heart leap when I see like, I just got a job and everyone's congratulating them. That's wonderful. But what I see, it's way, way more swayed um, in the direction of them lamenting about their job search experience a lot of, and a lot of the pain points that we kind of already talked about and touched upon that they're experiencing. And some of the common themes that I've touched upon, but I'll share again, is Andy, what you talked about, you went on a really long, drawn out process only to not get the job. And yeah, that happens. But let, let's do away with the long, drawn out interview process. Like, let me keep it to three, <laughs> if at all possible or less. Um, people who go along so far in the experience or don't have any like don't hear anything back or they go along, get to the final interview and they hear back and they say, well, you know, we just determined you don't have that much experience. What? Like, how did I make it this far in the journey for you to tell me I didn't have enough experience? And I hear stories like that and I see it. Um, or if they chose to hire someone internally after someone's been through so many rounds of interviews. Okay, well, um, being ghosted. A very common theme I, I see that job seekers are sharing on LinkedIn, advertising for jobs that are no longer open. That's also a thing. So I would say if you want to learn anything from job seekers and candidates, your best way to do that is to actually go to your, the very the LinkedIn platform and to hone in on what they're saying. And you can use that insight, right? We're all marketing-based, marketing-minded, to use that insight that, to then create your your strategy, right? Around attracting, and I know that's probably the next question, tracking your top talent and your candidates. The lessons we, are, we can learn from them are what they're sharing with us, their stories, and, and using that insight and information to provide a better experience for them and in turn, providing experience as an for as an employer too, right? Because the better experience that you make for them, the better it looks for you also as an employer. It's a good marketing tactic, right? So just learn from the job seekers on LinkedIn. Like really just dial into what they're saying. Cause I do, right? And I I, I know I am empathetic and I I can speak, I can talk to that and, and help people, but I think that's the best best way to really hone in and to learn from them. If that makes any sense, hopefully that answered your question.
0: No, just that got me thinking about how we advise our clients in workshops and we talk about speaking to your customer all the time. Um, but there are, you know, the LinkedIn platform, native platform, just looking at what people are saying from the candidate sphere is a great way to assess how you should be answering questions about employment marketing. There's also ways you can do that through social media listening, third-party tools. There's different ways people start to see what is the what is the big talk on social media right now. But I think there's something to take there from what Brooke said is, how do we bring that to a workshop for maybe a larger company that's looking to do some sort of employment branding, putting these statements that people are making out there, about their candidate journey, and then talking to the company about how do they answer that within their ads, within their posts, within their creative, you know, that you don't necessarily have to answer the question, like write the question out and answer it, but you can answer it within the posts that you do.
2: This made me think too, another idea. There may be legal implications around this. So the the company would obviously have to check, but almost like doing your empathy interviews in a, in a UX manner. But I would recommend the marketer get out there and speak to the the job seeker, obviously, but also if there's opportunity, conduct an empathy interview after they go through the interview process with your organization to better understand how they're feeling, what it was like, and, you know, just again, gain that deeper understanding of what they're going through and what they're feeling and what they value, et cetera. So I love that so much.
0: Definitely. It's just, it's good to hear those things. You know, something that I've seen at a couple of companies is that if it's a larger company, Glassdoor, when they come in hot on the job interviews and negative reviews about companies, they come in very hot. And if you start to see the same thing, you know, dozens of times, it puts alarm bells into people that apply for companies, because people are pretty trained up to go check Glassdoor. So this is a strategy you're talking about, Jess, that I think can help kind of figure out what's happening before it gets to Glassdoor. And maybe, you know, it could be negative, it actually could be positive, it could tell us we're doing things right. And just to continue on that type of marketing style, or if we're doing something wrong, it actually would tell us that our marketing even if good may not be matching what we're putting out there as a brand and we need to investigate that
2: and, and it also helps bring the the recruiting team or the talent management team together with the employment marketing team mm-hmm. as well and you know alignment just just like in the B2B space consumer space sales and marketing very key And I would think in the, uh, the talent marketing space, uh, the, the, the recruiting team, uh, plus the, the employment marketing team, that, that alignment and synergy, very key. So let's take
0: it. Oh, go ahead, Brooke. Sorry.
1: Sorry. I just have to say, Jess, I love how you coined the term or the phrase empathy interview. I think that's awesome. (laughs) I'd love to see more companies doing that because that's so important to gain insight into what the actual interview process is
2: like. I think that's wonderful. So that is a design, design thinking term. I did not, I did not (laughs) coin it. Yes, Yes. (laughs) I I, guess, but yes, always have empathy.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. Let's talk 2023. Now I'm shifting gears when it comes to organizations. So we touched on that a little bit, but what is, the most effective way right now for an organization to get top candidates?
1: Okay. So I don't, I can, I'm, I'm blending probably my, to be honest, guys, my question, my answer is for five and six, number five and six and two, one. Um, Cause so, so when, when should marketers start? So I have the strategic um, answer and that's, I think, again, taking a more human centric holistic approach to attract, attracting top ten candidates and building strong talent pipelines. So again, recognizing the whole person, um, not only their skills and experience and what they bring to the table, but also, and by that I mean like the hard slash technical skills, um, but also again, going back to their personality, their values, their goals, like who they are as a whole person, what makes them um, up as an, an individual, and then encouraging them to weigh these factors again, as they're determining who they would like to hire on for a particular position. So again, and I said this before, and I know I'm I'm repeating some themes, but I think it's important. Um, We try to differentiate our work self from our personal self, but we're the the same person across all those areas, right? So again, I think it would do a a better service for a hiring organization to take that holistic approach um, when evaluating a candidate for a job, because as an individual, they come with a whole lot of things. They got the skills, the personality, the values, the goals, again, that I think need to be considered when um, considering them for a job. And with that, and this was my answer to question six, honestly, it's to encourage marketers um, to be open and honest with, with candidates about what the hiring inter- and interviewing process lo- looks like. So, for instance, like being upfront about how many interviews there'll be, because these days we hear about n- numerous interviews, right, starting with the phone screen and then going down the line. Um, who they'll be interviewing with, which also that's on the um, interviewer, the candidate's responsibility as well to find that information so they can do their research accordingly. But it's uh, but it's nice for the employer to give the names of the people with whom they'll be interviewing so they can then research who they who they are. Um, so and also maybe if it's possible, what what topics might be discussed in an in interview? And I say that because some people. Um, who deal with social anxiety, who have a hard time speaking in front of people or groups of people might, they might benefit from having an idea of what kind of topics may be covered in an interview. And I know that may not be feasible for for all organizations, but if there is openness, right, to, to trying that out, I think there's something there as well, because some people just get freaked out by interviews. So if you kind of give them an idea of what they'll be talking about, that really kind of takes some of the edge off the interview process. Um, just really painting a picture of what the hiring process looks like, the interview process as well. Um, And so I'd also say really being upfront about what the position looks like. Give some insight into what it entails on a day-to-day basis, right? Because sometimes often, at least from my my own experience and talking with clients, we really don't get a sense of what a a job really looks and feels like until we're in it. So the the greater picture the uh, organization can paint for a candidate on what that looks like, before an offer is made. I think that's really important and a smart approach to take. Um, I would also say moving on to a different kind of areas, just as a company, if you're wanting to attract top, top talent is to have a really strong and engaging social media presence. Social media is where it's at. So again, you wanna paint a picture of what it looks like and feels like to work for your company, right? So show what's happening on the day-to-day. Show your employees having fun. Um, and hopefully they are having fun. Hopefully they're happy where they are. And you want to show that. Show whatever your company is working on right now that's newsworthy. Any events that are taking place or how they're impacting the community. Maybe they're volunteering and doing some awesome community work. Showcase that. People mm-hmm. love that. People love the story, right? So showcasing that as much as possible. Again, getting a sense for a candidate of what it looks and feels like, right? To, to work for an organization. Um, so I would also ask that, or, or encourage companies, like if they're open to it, encourage your team, your staff to share what they're doing. That's fun and really interesting with people. Like this is what we're working on. Isn't this awesome? And then, because um, really your your staff team are your greatest ambassadors for sharing your story and your mission with your audience. Um, so that's where, I hope that answered the question. I know I went into different areas, but I think that all kind of falls under that question of the strategy for attracting top candidates, it kind of takes a lot of nuanced um, steps, but I think those are all worthy things to consider, right?
0: I definitely like the social media perspective. There, When I talk about social media consulting lot, I always like to say, what is the right answer? And I say, yes, do it. Uh, but there's a lot of different ways to do it. How I would go about this as a company, though, just to, the Andy Pondelo personal strategy is, Getting people to advocate for your company that already work there is far more valuable. Don't listen to me, ad agencies that need to spend money, is far more valuable than spending thousands of dollars on ads when it comes to employment marketing. Both can be necessary, but getting hundreds of people at your company that are advocating for you, that know what your company hashtag is, and they're inspired to post and reminded to post about their experiences. LinkedIn is really good about this, um, about giving us content that we can post on our personal feeds. I think that is a strategy that gets so undervalued because we live in this kind of paid world of big flashy things and Disney style videos and high production. And the power of just people posting means a lot. And also, if you do have that hashtag and that synergy of consistency, it allows the company to now go back and look at those posts, have them all filtered, and they have an endless bank of content, if done right, that they can yes. pull from at any given time and post to their company feed. So it works in this kind of you know back and forth way that is beneficial for everybody.
2: Totally, oh, Brooke, Brooke. I I would love for you to go a little deeper when when thinking specifically about the candidate. I love how you were talking about, like, you know, we show up personally and professionally. Like, there's no, like, here, here's my professional self. Here's my personal self. Or, you know, we're we're this holistic being. How do you recommend the The candidate like show up as the, their full self because I I think marketers can learn some things from this.
1: Um, I to be I, I would say to be as transparent and honest about um, as possible about who they are, like but that involves having candid, authentic conversations, which often need to happen in interviews. So I would hope that interviews are more conversational, just like this, right? This, I think that they, they, they should be more like this because if they're more like this, then someone is going to feel more relaxed and open and willing to show their full self as opposed to a robotic interview where the employer, hiring manager, whomever is asking robotic standard questions that really don't give insight into who that person is and what they're capable of and what they value. So I think it's, It's hopefully if they're in a setting where they feel like they can open up, it's I would I would ask them to just what what have you got to lose, I guess. And I know there are people out there who really need a job right now, but I think it will save a lot of headaches in the end if you just show up to an interview as you are. And and even if you're asked an interview question and it's it's not something that um, maybe you have something on your mind that you want to address, but that interview question doesn't allow you to do it. Will make it a point to bring these things up in the conversation, so the employer can paint a better picture of who you are, and then see that you know, okay, so Brooke, she she's really good at these areas, these skill sets, but she's also this person, right? She's also coming with this personality, and this is what she values in a company culture, and this is what she, um, this is she's really aligned with the mission. All these things, I think, would help the candidate. Is that what you're asking, Jess? I think it, it would help them just if, if they feel so comfortable doing so to show up in an interview setting or even networking and just having the freedom to say, This is who I am. And this is not only my skill sets, but this is the other part of me. This is the personal side of me and not getting personal, personal, but like these are my values. These are my goals. This is what I'm looking for in my career and just being authentic, as authentic as possible. However, I do realize. That that may not always be possible. Because again, interviews can sometimes be really stuffy and robotic. Um, but I would encourage, I would encourage job seekers out there to take control of that interview, mm-hmm. to kind of move the conversation, right? And in, into back into your hands. So if it's not, if they're not making the conversation, I guess you can start making it a conversation by making it and making it more authentic, by asking really strategic questions that um you can get the answer to. I know I went on a tangent there, but I'm really passionate about that topic.
0: Look, and I I hopefully love it. I
1: answered your question.
0: It, it's got me revisiting some stuff actually a little bit, Brooks. So I've had three different roles where I've conducted job interviews. It's actually conducting them has helped me be a lot better interviewee when I've interviewed later on. Um, but early days, if I look back at when I did these, I was too technical. It was too much cost per leads, too much CPMs, like, you know, You learn technical stuff about people, but you don't learn a person by doing that. So the last few that I had done, what I had gotten is a lot more open-ended. What I wanted to know is I would ask a question, what is your philosophy for social media? And I would kind of tell them beforehand, I was like, hey, there's no right or wrong answer. I just want to know you. I want to know how you view the world of social media because that helps me understand the approach that you're going to take, and then I also know the clients that they're going to take over, and who they're going to be working with. And you know, some have a very easy uh, CMO to work with. Some have a very difficult clients; so like they're going to get grilled. So I kind of wanted to see how their personality is, like how they think about the world, how they're going to 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 go about it. And by doing so, I think it changed who I really would move along because I would see the technical side, but I would also see the side of them that could be in a difficult room and handle themselves. But I think making them comfortable in the conversation, like you're saying, it started to allow the candidates to really express themselves better. So, um I would say I wasn't a perfect interviewer at all times, but I think I got better and better as we went. And, you know, some of the stuff you're saying kind of reconfirms my thoughts, because there is not a lot of training on this for employers. They kind of learn as they go. And, you know, I know if I had to do interviews again, um, I think that I've learned a few new things from you today that I'd probably incorporate a little bit differently.
1: Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you.
0: Definitely. But I wanted to conclude with that. We are at time. So, Brooke, we could go on for hours and hours on this. It's a fascinating conversation. So, again, Brooke Tishner, Interview Ally, we absolutely loved having you today. And just thank you so much for your wisdom. There's a lot we're going to definitely be taking back to our marketing teams when it comes to the employer side.
1: Oh my gosh! Thank you so much, Andy and Andy and Jess. I would love to be come back and be a part of another conversation. This has been a this has been a blast. Thank you so much.
0: No problem. We'll definitely have you again.
1: All right. Take care, you guys. Thank you.
0: So, Jess, that definitely, like I said, it got me into some revisiting of some of the strategies that I've been doing. Um, in the past on this subject, but it also, it just really brings the marketing side to a different lens. You know, I don't, like I said, before we started this series, I didn't think about employer marketing as much, probably just because I was never tasked with it. And I think that's a conversation in itself is that we see these divisions popping up now where there's actual teams but it's not something you necessarily go to marketing school or take a certificate program and whatnot and learn. It's something that we kind of acquire as we go.
2: Yes, absolutely. I I, I love everything that Brooke was saying, especially around just like taking this human centric approach and like focusing on the, the, the human behind the journey and i think there's so many opportunities for the the marketing teams to really like dive deep and gain that better understanding so they can build uh, you know more effective more effective marketing campaigns Mm -hmm. and more effective ways and to reach uh, these these people and I also love, too, that like Brooke really just, again, highlighted the connection between like both of these brands mm-hmm. and like, you know, bringing the brands, the personal brand and the employer brand together and, and and finding that meaningful connection. And she hit on a lot of things talking about being authentic and you could see like being authentic from the, the candidate space and then being authentic from your employer brand space as well. So you can have these conversations, you find the meaning, you find the connection, you find the purpose mm-hmm. and you're, you're creating strong brands and, and brand I advocates.
0: We, I think we can't say human enough. I think that's just, you know, everything we do, every guest we have, it's a common connection we find in marketing is to stay human and, This is kind of just this topic that I I feel like we have to just keep talking about. I think it's a good reminder to us that we should keep advocating for is that this new age of digital marketing, social media, it's a great age. There's more tools. There's more ad types. There's fancier creative. There's new platforms. There's so much in this modern era of social media, but it's also, to me, the most robotic Era of social media, and we have lost so much human touch on what companies are putting out there. And we get further and further away from it. When I actually teach uh, the class on video marketing that I do uh, once a semester, I purposely pull examples from 2012 to 2016 because it's a whole other era of digital marketing. It was before the paid eras when you tried to be a little bit more human. It's trying to be conversational. We just threw things at the wall and saw what stuck, which doesn't always work, but, you know, you kind of get what I'm saying. It was just a little bit more human. So I think it's important for us to keep bringing that up because I think you just need to have that thought process because there are times even when I consult, I go back and I look at some of the examples I'm showing. I was like, they're good, but were they like human focused? And a lot of times, I you know, I'll answer no, you know, but how do we get them more human focused?
2: Yes. And I love how Brooke brought that up with the the interview itself and talking about like really trying to create that space for a conversation. So marketers can think about like, how do we infuse our brand, our employer brand into that space to like add that human touch. I mean, I, I see a lot of opportunities here for that employer brand to really connect across the entire experience, and that that is something that uh, you know there, there's as Brooke pointed out, there's definitely opportunity in an area that can uh, be improved.
0: So, let's talk about the interview experience. You know, just a lot of people have stories. Do you do you have an interview story, good or bad, that that just sticks with you?
2: I Oh man. May, this is a good one. Andy, yeah. I, I actually had to, like, had to drop I have a
0: surprise question on you.
2: Yes, I I don't I, I don't have one that really sticks out. I feel like I've been through a wide range, you know, where it's been, you know, one interview, like making it to certain areas in the process, one interview all the way up to like the final stages where you're going through five uh, five or six all at once. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would say uh, for me, just like personally, as the candidate going through the experience, something that I... Uh, really did enjoy was when like the decision was made very quickly yes so like I've been in experiences where it like they can they can be open after going through like those five interviews and saying you know thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and time but this may not be the the right move or the you're going through it and then right at the end it's like yep we we really have enjoyed these conversations. You've got the job. So the the, the faster I can get a decision, uh, the it's made me feel a lot better.
0: So I had one where I went through. I think it was a four rounder, and it was over the course of month and a half, two months. Like it was one of those long, drawn out ones. So I made it through all four and I'm just waiting, waiting, waiting. And after that, I went, I interviewed for another job. because I just, I don't know if I'm going to get it or not. The other job went through their entire rounds in four days, not made me an offer. And literally the day after I said, yes, the job that had made me wait months called me the next day with an offer. And I had to tell them no, because I accepted something else. Like they were literally a day late after two months. So you never know, like in that world, especially if it's a decent candidate. Yes, always have to assume that there's other potential offers and, you know, things that they could be interviewing for. So that was a kind of it all worked out, but it was just kind of interesting how that all played out. Trying to think of some some interesting. Uh, I'll tell you a tip. This is an interesting fact about me. I haven't told a lot of people. So I learned this when I was unemployed and this was straight out of me. Um, sitting at home and eating a lot of uh, Frosted Flakes and Honey Nut Cheerios and binging Netflix. Like I would spend probably like six hours a day applying for jobs until like there was literally none to apply for and then you start again the next day. But what I started to do in interviews because I had so much time on my hands is they would send me to people who are interviewing me. So I would go to their LinkedIn pages and look at them on social But I have a knowledge of of what's the right word. Um, I can't think of the term right now, but I have a knowledge of just like you want to be relatable. If you make a good impression right out of the gate, it tends to help your chances quite a bit. So I would figure out who the interviewers were, kind of what their general sense was, where they were from, kind of where they went to school, what their background was, whatever it may be. And I would Jedi mind trick small talk by their interests. So I would be like, you know, they'd be like, so Andy, what did you, you know, how are you doing? How was your weekend? Like they put on everything like baseball. It's like, yeah, I went to the baseball game this weekend and saw my team. It was great. I like think I would do it all the time and it would immediately start a conversation and make it loose and fun.
2: You're an empathetic marketer, Andy. Yep. You're always you've got that marketing lens on, and you're you're steering the conversation in a way that's focused on the the candidates or the the the, the person's interests. And yes. this is exactly what we've
0: been talking about. Yep, As is what Brooke said. Take control of the interview. So, yeah, I used to. I, was, I could. I always said if I could find one thing where we related in some manner, I could take it, you know, a lot of times too, being in Texas, a lot of people went to school in Texas, have family in Texas, uh, worked in Texas, like whatever it may be, could just throw that in there, you know, hey, I went to the, you know, I'm in Houston, I went to this Tex-Mex restaurant, big, oh, yeah, I love that one, I ate it when I was there. So, you know, just finding that way in to be conversational, but I also think it has a good point in the business world too. You want to be relatable. You want to be able to talk to your clients, be able to talk to your managers, and and learn about them. So it showed that I, you know I was really trying to learn too.
2: Yes, and 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 Brooke also in, inspired me to think about not only instilling the confidence piece, which I think is so key uh, with these candidates from a marketer's perspective, but marketers thinking about how can the candidate or the, the potential candidate, you know, future employee, et cetera, leave the experience feeling better mm-hmm. than how they felt before or, 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 you know, or feeling like they're growing and learning. And I think there's ma- major opportunity here to, to really come up with a game changer for those, for those specific feelings. Cause it, maybe the, the candidate won't get the job but if they if they still feel good after going through the experience and they feel like they're a better person as a result I mean, that that is a huge win to, uh, towards creating a brand advocate
0: it is and you know it's it leaves somebody feeling good and if there's someone that's on the come up in their career you know, they might come back again. They might apply for a different role. Mm -hmm. You know, LinkedIn, this job I got was the first time I applied for LinkedIn. So, (laughs) you know, people will apply multiple times and try to find the right role for them. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So, but I know we're, we're definitely on time now. Another great conversation, Jess, uh, that concludes this part of the series. We're taking a different direction next week. And uh, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we're going to talk about that and how it relates to the marketing world, the current world of social media. And I feel like it's going to be another exceptional discussion because uh, a lot of our guests that we've just had on lately, has been really relevant to the times we're in. So I'm just excited to continue advocating and you know, letting the, these conversations take them where you will—that's what's been great about this show. Is that you know, each show kind of has its own personality and different things that we've been able to learn along the way.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm really excited because I—it's—it's it, it's time to take from, especially from a branding perspective, and you know, we're talking about having an authentic brand. It's time to like remove that shame around the the mental health conversation the just everything involving mental health
0: yes and, and i just i love that you know linkedin has become such a good place for people to speak their truth be themselves yeah. and you know advocate for a better better workplace better employer brand better marketing you know just better self so yeah. you know excited just to just continue that direction we've been taking it but again till next time just it has been wonderful as usual and we we'll look forward to see everybody next week yes bye andy see ya this podcast is heard along the marketing podcast network for more great marketing podcasts visit marketingpodcasts.net